Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to a new episode of Not Too Taboo. I'm here with my boss lady, Gretchen Christine Rossi. <laughs> that's right. She knows I just do everything she says. Always. Like, I'm in charge of nothing. <laughs> like, that's the rule. Yeah. <laughs> At least you're smart. I love it. I Hey, I know I, my place, girl. I have you trained so well. You do. You do. <laughs> I know exactly my place. Um, I'm excited about today. I am too. We have a fantastic guest. Yes, we do. And I'm going to learn a lot. Because I know nothing about this topic. I, well, you know what's funny? I feel like I know a lot, but I've never had it done. So, but even, although everybody thinks I've totally had Wait, stuff done. We'll ask that question. We'll ask the question of the doctor. Oh, good. Well, but oh I gave it away. It. Oh, it man, it's a doctor. <laughs> but, but she's also a digital influencer. Yeah. She's a digital influencer and a doctor. Like that's, that's awesome. Hey, wait. Also a board certified plastic surgeon, mm -hmm. businesswoman, mother of three. Yes. Can we please give it up to Dr. Nazarian? Yeah. <laughs> our, our fans are so excited you're here today. Our studio audience is thrilled about having oh, yeah. Dr. Nazarian. Yeah, yeah, we got the neighbors stacked on the couch listening in. <laughs> they all have masks on. And, yeah. yeah, and we're six feet apart. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you again for joining us. We really appreciate it. Should we call you Dr. Nazarian or should we call you Sheila? Sheila's fine. We're friends now. I was oh. going to say, I think we should be friends. We should just call you Sheila. I like it. I, but you know, sometimes I feel like it like sounds so fancy to be like Dr. Nazarian. Well, she is fancy. The only thing I hate about it is if I'm like on a panel with a bunch of men and they all get called doctor and then I get called Sheila. That's oh, me. that would make me so mad, especially because first of all, can we just talk about the fact that you are legitimately superwoman? Like I've decided you're superwoman. Superwoman, supermodel. We're all superwoman. Oh my gosh. Like I was reading your bio and just everything that you have accomplished. Um, your education is unreal. You are an assistant professor, division of plastic surgery at USC. Um, you're the founder of Nazarian Plastic Surgery, Spa 26, the Skin Spa e-commerce site. Um, you do so much stuff. Like, Clearly an underachiever. You, you have three children that you birthed and, and had during your residency. Like, I yeah. don't understand how what you do how you do it. Like, and, I'm wait, so confused. And the husband's a neurosurgeon. Yeah, and the husband's a neurosurgeon. Not like he's hanging out watching the kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You guys are amazing. Like rock stars. <laughs> you know, you Gretchen. rock stars. Gretchen and I have a 10-month-old. Uh, uh, uh -huh. yep. we, we can't even handle the 10-month-old. Mm -mm. Yeah, that's that's our, our hashtag is pound <laughs> Skylar Gray is winning. Yes, totally. Yeah, she's crushing us. So we don't, this is why we bow down. We don't even know how you do it all. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's, um, I think I had to have a little bit of denial having three kids during, you know, general surgery and plastic surgery residency and just being like, oh, you know, they'll be fine. They don't remember anything under the age of five. Like <laughs> the nanny can take care of them. You know, right. it was just sort of like things I would have to tell myself in order to justify the fact that I was working 80 hours a week oh. away from my children. My so gosh. now, you know, it's kind of like letting myself feel, you know, in the aftermath um, and having been out of residency now for, you know, over seven years. Now it's sort of, and especially this quarantine time, I mean, it's really sort of showing me everything I've missed. Yeah. So I think the way that you guys are feeling, being totally present with your 10 months old is probably legit. And for me, it was probably easier to be at work, you know? Yeah. Well, well you we, know. Trust me, we sometimes think yeah. it would be easier to be at freaking work. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean. for sure. I mean, this legitimately has been the hardest. I mean, it, okay, let me tell you a funny story. So I said this was the hardest job I've ever had on social media. And like people like mm -hmm. totally schooled me like, this isn't a job. La, 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 la. Like they got all mad. And I'm like. This it's is being like, a mother's not a job? Yeah, but like it's a metaphor for the fact that like I've done a lot of things in my life. And like this is legitimately one of the harder things I did. So sorry that I called it a job, but like. <laughs> It well, was just funny. no. It is. It is really hard. I think if you're doing it right and you're yeah. being thoughtful about it, it is really hard. Yeah. Um, and I think it's harder now than it was for, you know, us being raised. Like my parents didn't even know what grade I was in. Like much less, you know, what my teachers' names were. Now it's like if you're not on top of your kids, they fall behind because everybody else has fifty tutors. And they don't talk about it. And yeah. then your kid feels like an idiot. <laughs> like, you know what? That's such a good point. You know what? And I love that you bring that up because 
It is. It's just a different, I mean, obviously it's a different world right now with everything that we have going on with quarantine and everything else. But I mean, it is, it's just, there's so much pressure now to be Mm -hmm. perfect 24 seven, you know, like, 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 you know, even the introduction of you, it's like, you're a doctor and you're this and you're that and you have three kids. And it's like, it, it, there is this pressure to have so much and everything just look perfect and you've got everything perfectly aligned. Like, Mm -hmm. how do you manage all that? How do you, how do you give yourself some grace through all that? I mean, you had to learn how to give yourself some grace because being in residency while you were pregnant and while you were having these children, I mean, what advice would you give to other women out there, other couples out there and and giving yourself grace? I mean, I think the thing that I sort of came to terms with is that it's okay to ask for help. And I think you need to surround yourself with the right village in order to allow your, including the right husband. I mean, Gretchen, you know, like my husband, the other day I was talking about one of my friends who's going through a divorce and she's very successful and he just couldn't handle it. So I was talking to my husband about it. He's like, well, I don't understand that because your success is my success. And I think that was like the nicest thing, you know, anybody could have ever said to me, including my husband. Um, But you understand how that is. Like you have to surround yourself with people that would, like to see you succeed and also share your dream are realistic about it and will kind of, you know, humble you and put you in check, but right. also, you know, be supportive yeah. of where you're headed. Gretchen's still looking for the right husband. So she understands exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. She gets it. She's picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> no, but you're so right. It come, it really does come down to a, an incredible partner as well, because, um, you know, for me, I know that I wouldn't be as successful as I've been if I didn't have a strong man behind me and really somebody that mm-hmm. encouraged me to to be that person and and wasn't intimidated by it. There's a lot of men out right. there that are extremely mm-hmm. intimidated by beautiful, intelligent, you know, successful women. And um, it's hard to find the men out there that really like embrace it and are proud of it. And like, look at my, you know, look at my girl go or look at my wife go. I mean, it's hard to find those guys. So I'm glad that you. It's interesting, too, because like plastic surgeons, like my entire graduating class was female and we were all married to either heart surgeons or brain surgeons. Oh, really? Because they. Yeah, it's just so it's just a very common because like coming you know, I'm Persian and like dating Persian guys, um, especially like Persian Jewish guys, you know, when I was uh, in medical school and I sort of decided that I was ready to get married. Um, you know, you're set up with all these guys and I had like three guys in a row be like, Oh, if you want to be a dermatologist, we can keep dating or like one of them was a lawyer and I'm a medical student. Like I'm not even like a doctor yet. And he's like, yeah, I don't want our wedding invitations to say Mr. And doctor. So (gasps) I can't keep dating you. Like it's, Tough, right? Yeah. So I remember crying to my dad and just being like, mm. nobody's going to marry me. Oh my, isn't <laughs> that so meet- <laughs> crazy? Like, that's so sad to me that like, you can't like, that's the really- insecurity is alive and well, Gretchen. Yeah. But that's really sad to me that like you, it's like, you're going after your dreams and you're being successful and someone is that intimidated by it. I mean, that's really sad. That makes me sad. Yeah, it, it was really sad. But then when I met my husband, I mean, the way I was um, set up with him is a mutual friend basically said, you know, oh, you're in LA for a few weeks. Um, you'll have a good time with this guy, but he never wants to get married. <laughs> and I was like, all right, whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, and we were engaged in three months. I no mean, way. Right away. Yeah. Oh, so it's just funny. It. I just, I, I'm like, I'm not a romantic person or like I didn't consider myself one. I probably am more romantic now. Yeah. But um, I do believe that when you meet the right guy, it's just super easy and So true. true. And I love that you say that too, because a lot of people are like, oh, marriage is so tough and it's this. And and I always look at them and I'm like, actually, like, it's not to say that there's not issues. Of course, like you have arguments and you have struggles, whatever. I mean, that's totally going to be part of it. But like, I don't ever find it hard. Like when you find the right partner, it's kind of (laughs) easy. So at least for me, me it's been. I agree. Like, I can't believe, like it's been 15 years almost with me and my husband. I just can't believe like, you know, we could still like not get bored and like each other. <laughs> yeah. And, and I was going to say, how about in quarantine? Cause you both probably aren't doing, aren't working right now. And no surgeries I mean, that. it's been really nice. Actually, my husband and I, when I graduated, we moved into the same office. And then about three years later, I kind of outgrew the office, moved into um, a new building. Uh, and now he moved in next door. So we actually share an operating room that it connects in the middle of both of our offices. 
So we actually really like like being together. You guys like each other. That's like Slade and I. People are always like, why can you guys not be separated? And we're like, because we actually like each other. Like we're best friends and we like hanging out together. We actually have separation anxiety and we embrace it. Yeah, it's it's pretty funny. He goes to the grocery store and I call him. I'm like, I miss you. I'm like, okay, you guys are a little bit. How long have you been married? 11 years. 11 years. Oh, wow. That's that's known each other for 21. Well, actually, I got to tell you a little secret. We're technically not married but we've been together 11 years. So yeah. And known each okay, other for 21 it, years, it. 21 years. We've known each other. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So wow, wow. Wow. I do. I call her up and go, I miss you so much. Hey, you want me to still get the mac and cheese? <laughs> so, Cause I know you like it. Okay. So we have a bunch of questions for you. Um, just, okay. you know, just about your expertise and, you know, plastic surgery and all the things that I'm sure a lot of people, you know, want to know out there. First of all, I'm so curious as to what the trends are that you're seeing in plastic surgery for 2020, besides the fact that like nothing, because nobody is currently getting plastic surgery. Um, but what- <laughs> I've actually seen so many consults. Oh my God. During this period, oh, I've been you seeing have? like 17 virtual consults. Oh, wow. Week. Oh, telemedicine. Wait, a week? Okay. Tele- wait, telemedicine. To- a week. Yeah. 17 new people a week. I know. It's been crazy. But um, I think people are just really kind of seeing themselves in the mirror a little bit more. Maybe they're looking at their closets <laughs> like I am and being like, why do I have 42 handbags? Yeah, <laughs> you know? Exactly. And maybe being like, I should probably invest in myself rather than buy another belt, you know? Oh, I love So uh, I think that's one thing. And people are just kind of looking to better their better themselves in the long term and maybe not looking for those little short term bursts of happiness like you get when you buy a pair of shoes. Right. Um, so I think maybe that's one thing. Also, you know, I think being in quarantine, maybe people put on a few pounds, maybe they've been exercising and realize they can't get rid of this one little thing. Yeah. Um, so I don't really know what it is, but I think people are just looking to better themselves in the long term and just improve their overall health and well being. So um, the other thing too that I think I've noticed is people are really craving sort of expert advice yeah. um, rather than, you know, somebody being like on Instagram, oh, you know, like drink this or like, you know, yeah. put this in your hair or whatever. They're kind of like, what does a doctor say? So it's kind of come back to a little bit of people really craving expert advice. So that's been helpful as well. I wonder what um, that's about. What would you say that's about? I mean, like, when did you ever see Dr. Fauci on TV? So true. Right. I mean, people are kind of like, I don't want to know like how you DIY PRL. I want to know what actually works. Yeah. So I think it kind of is translated into healthcare, beauty and and skin health as well. Um, So, yeah, I've been seeing, needless to say, a lot of consults. So is my physician. So is my nurse. So it's been it's been kind of interesting, kind of the opposite of what I would have expected. Yeah. Um, But our, our practice is a little bit different in that we've always kind of been about natural results and nobody knowing what you did. Yeah. Um, and I think that the biggest trend I'm seeing right now is people are kind of coming towards that, or maybe I'm just biased because that's what I'm seeing a lot of. Um, but, you know, definitely, you know, liposuction, breast augmentation, fat transfer is huge right now. Um, all, all, of the, all of the regular stuff is still happening, but I just think the aesthetic, God willing, is kind of meeting somewhere in the middle and Maybe not being all natural, but appearing all natural. Um, but meanwhile, getting a little bit of help where you need it. Right. So, but, so what, how does, how does, uh, what was the 2018, 2019? It was the year of the rear. <laughs> yes. I still think it is, but I don't think it's the year of like the massive rear. I think it's more about proportions and sort of filling in little divots or areas that need to be filled to give a better shape or a better proportion. That's always been my practice anyways. Yeah. So we've just kind of seen a continuation of that. So what's so weird about the the year of the rear is that- I just like the way you say that. I know. Is that- <laughs> You have to think about it. I've always had like a rear end, like baby got back here, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've always mm-hmm. got a little voluptuous badunkadunk. But I got to tell you, it is so difficult sometimes for me to find like jeans that fit right because I have a smaller waist and I've got these, you know, thicker thighs and definitely a badunkadunk. And so the fact that girls actually go and like inject more and make their butts even bigger, I'm like, how the hell do they fit in clothes? Like like normal clothes when they're getting that big of a rear end. Like I have a hard time with some of my jeans. Well, I mean, I think that's why, you know, the Kardashians made good American. Yeah, you're I mean, that, that totally is good right. American. There was yeah. a need, just like you're saying right now, they sort of created 
the look and then created the clothes to go with it. Yeah, that's a very good point because I genius. literally, it's genius, literally. Go Chloe, go Chloe. Yeah. yeah, like they start the trend and then yeah. they create a whole brand around the trend. I love it. Yeah. Um, no, that, that family's so brilliant with all of that stuff that they do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because I, I mean, that's like my biggest struggle is like I, I'd almost have to go up a jean size <laughs> just to get like my rear end in there. But then I have to somehow like get the waist like tapered or something. Because then the waist is too big. It's really frustrating. I like the, I like where we're going here. Because Wade, I, what I, are your thoughts on this? Here's, here's my thoughts, doctor. I'm, I'm jumping in right now. So what's going to happen is I'm going to design an entire collection, a whole line, mm-hmm. that's going to cover up the man gut. And I'm going to call it Chunky Monkey. <laughs> chunky Monkey. Yeah, either Chunky Monkey or Tubba Wubba. That would be my my label uh, in, in my clothes. And I would just allow for the, uh, the, the, the bottom part of the shirt to cover up, uh-huh. you know, the fact that I'm so fat, I can't see man land <laughs> is, is, is what it actually do- comes down to. Because if Wait, you, are, you are not fat. Oh, no, no. I'm skinny fat. Yeah, exactly. I look really skinny in clothes. Yeah. And then when I take uh-huh. off my clothes, Gretchen says, put them back on. <laughs> that's, what, that's what happens. Yeah, yeah I'm no. sure that's how you, you guys got the baby. <laughs> I, doctor, I had nothing to do with the baby. It actually took five it was, men. It, was, it, it was, was five other men that got me pregnant. Yeah, it was five so it guys. Had nothing to do with it. I had oh, nothing, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I went through IVF. So, yeah. Yes. They're that like, joke. dude, you've been standing around here for five years. Let's just give you a coat and a stethoscope. I don't, I don't know what to do with you. No, but it is true because Slade is, is one, I honestly, I got to give it to him again. I think he just like gained the baby weight with me. So I didn't feel so bad about gaining those, you know, 50 pounds or whatever. That's I exactly right. Mm-hmm. Honey. No, actually it was only 38 pounds, but it felt like 50 pounds. Cause I was just like, it felt so big. I'm bringing um, back the dad bod. It's a trend. But yeah, but yeah, he definitely gained some weight during that. And so it is funny because like everyone always tells him you're not fat. And then like, he's starting to have a little bit of that, like a dad gut. And, and the thing is, it's like, I don't care. I love him big, small, medium, or anything. But Say like, that now on the radio, Gretchen. No, but legitimately why <laughs> I get concerned. And as a doctor, she will probably attest to this, that I'm more concerned about your actual health and being around long enough for Skylar. And so that's why I want you to be a little more, um, less going and buying the Oreo cookies every week that you sneak into the house. Don't tell people I buy Oreo cookies. You sneak them. She, literally doctor, he sneaks them into the house every week. I get so oh frustrated. My God. You know, what's so funny too, is like the whole, like I barely exercise ever. But I also like barely eat because I'm just running around drinking coffee all day long, seeing a million people. Yeah. But now that I've been in quarantine, like I literally just started working out three days ago because I'm like, okay, I don't have the excuse of being too busy anymore. So I have to make this happen. Right. So it's kind of like I've gone through all of these like different emotional shifts. You know, the first week you're all introspective and you're like, I need to meditate. I'm like, you know, go within. I can't go out. So I'm going to go within. Uh Uh-huh. Um, and then the second week I was like, I got to get the skin spot going. Like I have an e-commerce site. I'm going to put, you know, more effort into it since it's been like my stepchild for the yeah. last, you know, seven years. Yeah. And then that's doing really well now. Um, and then this week I'm kind of like, okay, everything's kind of, you know, smooth, smooth sailing. And now I need to start exercising yeah, because so I did, really literally have no excuse. Exactly. So you did everything you could possibly do to the point where you're like, damn it. Now I actually have to exercise because I've accomplished everything that I couldn't accomplish yes. while I was working. You know, you know, like when you have a test, you start cleaning your yes, house just to totally, procrastinate totally. and then your house is like spotless and you're like, I will now sit down and study. Yes. It's so true. It's so true. You mentioned, um, one of the things you said, fat transfer. I'm curious, what is that? I don't even know what that is really. I so tell you what it is. Um, I know kind what it of is. A twofer. It's like a the greatest. Slay, tell us what it is. What Before. happens is Gretchen says I'm cold, so I go over to her side of the bed and I transfer my fat <laughs> over to her side of our bed and use the body fat to warm her. Oh my god! And then I get her Perfect. so warm, she gets heat poisoning. <laughs> which Gretchen, is a, that's free. That's a free fat transfer. Oh my god! Yeah. If only we could take your fat and transfer it into like my under eyes because they have bags from never sleeping with a baby, but that would be amazing. Anyways, let's let the doctor answer the question. I thought it was a good answer. I don't know. <laughs> so basically it's a twofer. So you're liposuctioning an area instead of throwing the fat cells away, you can actually inject them into where you do want them. So I remember, you know, growing up in Iran, my mom would sit around the table with her friends drinking tea and they would joke about how they'd love to take the fat from their stomach and stick it in their boobs or like, you yeah. know, whatever. And we would be like, okay, yeah, whatever. But that's like exactly what we're doing right now. Wait, you can transfer into your boobs? Yeah, boobs, butts, 
You're lying. Wait a second. Wherever you want a little extra. Where do I sign up for my, my, my surgery? (laughs) You don't need a surgery. You look just fine. No, 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 no. Look at, cause I've never, okay. So doctor, I've never had plastic surgery. And although everybody, you know, on the ethernet, it always says that I've had all this plastic surgery done. I've never had plastic surgery. I want it. No, you don't. I really have always wanted it. But here's, here's, thank you, honey. But here's the truth. I'm legitimately scared to death because like I have no pain tolerance and I'm just freaked out about all that. I've, you know, I've done fillers and Botox and that stuff, which Mm -hmm. still like they have to almost put me under just to do that. But, um, but one of the things that I do struggle with is, is my breasts. I mean, they're not small, but they're not big. And I, especially after having babies, I feel like they have sagged. And so I didn't really, so when you put fat transfer into the boobs, does it make them bigger? It makes them bigger um, and fuller up top. Because I find that what happens a lot of times, especially after having a baby, is the breast tissue kind of like sits at the bottom of the breast. Yeah. And then if you're not wearing a bra, you kind of, you've lost that natural ramp and it's kind of concave at the top. So what I do is basically focus on that top area to create that fullness without a bra. And then if people want to go up a cup size too, I'll put some at the bottom as well. That's so interesting. I really am fascinated yeah. by this. So, but do you have, but you have to have liposuction in order to get that? Yeah. It's kind of like you have to have a, you have to donate from another area of your body. So I can't don't, I can't have Slade donate his fat into my boobs. No, it'll get rejected. It's kind of like, you know, it's not any different than doing like a liver transplant or something oh, like that, it. you know. Got it. Can I, can I do, can I have liposuction on my stomach and you give me some pecs? <laughs> Yeah, I do that all the time. Are you serious? No. Yeah, oh my gosh. serious. I don't see. This is how clueless we are to some of this stuff. Like, I think but I know not, a lot, they wouldn't but be then really I like don't. Firm pecs. They would be more like soft, fatty pecs. No, they, it actually looks very much like pecs pecs. Really? Because I actually do inject it into the muscle. Yeah. But doesn't your body at some point absorb it? No, actually, about fifty percent of it to seventy-five percent of it stays. Oh, my gosh! Now, do you do a so lot? I always of, try to you, overdo it by like twenty percent. Do you do a lot of those fat transfers? Yeah. I know what you're thinking, Gretchen. I know what you're thinking. She's looking at me like, hey, honey. (laughs) I make him always be the (laughs) guinea pig for everything. Let's get get rid of the Oreo around your belly. Anytime that I try, like, like I wanted to try cool sculpting and I was scared. So I made him go Mm -hmm. do it first. I always make him be the guinea pig. It's really funny. Yeah. But the difference, I have cool sculpting as well, but that one kills the fat. So Uh I always tell people when they come in, if I see that Maybe they don't know about fat transfer. Maybe they came in for a cool sculpting consult. I'll always tell them, listen, if we lipo it, I can put it someplace else. Mm-hmm. If we cool sculpt it, you're going to kill it. and We can't move it anywhere else. And they're and like, oh, I didn't even know like that was possible. You know? Wow. And there's been so big advancements that's like in that. That's like the cool thing. <laughs> no pun intended. She's like, it's a cool thing. Um, <laughs> there's There's been advancements in that though, because Gretchen made me do it when it was first generation. Yeah. I, I know they've come yeah. out with new pieces of equipment. Yeah, for they sure. They did. They just came out with new applicators. The technology is still the same, but it's just a little bit less sucky. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cause trust me, first generation was super sucky. Just in the, I had yeah, black I and know. blue marks I did on it the sides. Like and- everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, doctor, how do you see plastic surgery, surgery evolving? Well, I think like what's, you know, really booming right now is the non-invasives, yeah. but I think what I love and I think what our patients really appreciate is that when they come in, like I'm an influencer in the plastic surgery world, right? So right. I get my first, like I get my dibs on technology. Um, and basically what I do is I'll bring it in. If I like it, I'll keep it. If I don't like it, I just send it back and I never talk about it. Uh-huh. So when people come in and they, maybe they might be coming in for, you know, liposuction, I'll be like, no, you don't need liposuction. You just need this. Uh-huh. Um, or they'll come in for a technology and I'll be like, no, you need surgery. You know, so I think it's kind of like knowing what the patient's end goal is, knowing what I can accomplish, knowing the limitations of technology versus surgery and vice versa. And then being really able to work with someone and say, you know what, we're going to do surgery or we're going to do a combination or we're just doing non-surgical. Um, I think is, you know, I have no, like, I'm, I don't just have a hammer and everyone's a nail. It's kind of like bringing in all of the technology, bringing in all of the surgical expertise and really working together to achieve the result and maintain the result. Right, right. Um, have you ever heard of the machine called, what's it called, Celafina? I think it's called. It's yes, for, I have it. You have it? What do you think of that? I'm I so do. curious. I love Gretchen? it. You I love do? It. So, Gretchen? Yes. Yeah. She's so. going to try to make me do it, doctor. That's why I'm no, saying No, you don't that. have cellulite. Men I have don't have cellulite. Yeah, you don't have it. I have it all on the back of my thigh, especially after the baby. Men don't so have I'll cellulite you, Gretchen, at all? You know, it's, people think a lot that it's about like being 
you know, not exercising or eating wrong. And it's just not like that at all. Right. Cellulite, the dimples are actual bands that hold the skin down to the muscle. Right. And sometimes those bands thicken and we call them super bands. And yeah. those are the things that need to be cut in order for cellulite dimples to go away. Um, and a lot of these things you see on, you know, Facebook or the internet, they just sort of swell your skin. So yeah, it might look better for a day. Right. Just like eat the crap out of your skin, but right. that's not treating the root cause of the cellulite. The other thing too, you know, Selfina basically goes in with a small blade and cuts, right. cuts the band. Right. Um, so you, they guarantee it now for like five years, which is wow. basically like, you know, forever. That's amazing. Um, but the other thing too to note about cellulite is cellulite with Selfina, it treats the dimples. It doesn't treat lines. But us as women, we just call the whole situation cellulite. We don't really differentiate in our brain. Oh, I have an extra fat pocket here. Or, oh, I have a divot here. Or this is a dimple. Or this is skin laxity, which is a line. So what we do in our practice is we do a combination of three or four different things in order to treat what women in general as a whole call cellulite. But each one of those things I mentioned has its own cause and its own treatment. That's fascinating. I think that's so informative. See, this is the problem, doctor. So many people, including myself, go into a you know, plastic surgeon's office and we come in for one specific thing thinking that you know something's going to fix it. Or you're sitting in the waiting room and there's like 90 brochures, right? And it's like, do this, mm-hmm. do that. And you look at the brochures and you're like, yes, I want all of this, but it's overwhelming and you don't really know what works or what doesn't work. So I love the fact that it sounds like at your practice, you really are looking at all of it and you're examining all of it and you're explaining these different, if you will, layers to things that some people might not even be aware of. But I think there's a lot of doctors out there that, that unfortunately, um, you know, just, it's like, come in, get, get a treatment, get a treatment. And it's like, it's not really taking care of the thing that might be bothering them. So I love that you're explaining right. that. And depth. also a lot of times people don't know what's going to bother them next. So for example, I just did a breast augmentation consultation with this woman that had horrible sun damage on her chest. Cause you know, she, she was a, like super fit Gretchen. Like I'm talking muscles like everywhere that I didn't know existed. Right. Um, and she just had horrible sun damage on her chest and her arms. And I basically said, listen, while you're out, we're doing your breast dog, I'm going to laser that all off. You're out anyways, so right. you might as well. And she's right. like, oh, nobody mentioned that. I know as soon as I do the breast dog, she's going to be paying more attention. Yeah. And then two weeks later, she's going to come in for laser for that. Totally. So it's always about seeing kind of the different layers, just like you said, yeah. um, and really trying to address all of the things so that when somebody comes out, they're like, I'm done. Like, yeah. this is it. Well, so that leads me to my next question. So when it comes to surgery, like how do you advise your patients on where to draw the line? Like what's too much or, you know, if somebody comes in, they're like, I want to get 92 surgeries done in one time. (laughs) How do you advise them differently? So I'll tell you, Gretchen, like I was very intentional about my social media and about how I presented myself and how I put myself out there. I tend to attract a very educated professional woman who's not psychotic. Got it. So I don't have patients coming in asking me for 92 things. I don't have um, body dysmorphia so much. Um, And when I do interview someone, they think they're interviewing me. Like a lot of times they'll say, oh, yeah, I'm meeting with, you know, three other plastic surgeons to see, you know, who I want. And I'm like, okay, great. But I'm also interviewing you to make sure that Mm. you're capable of happiness and that you're not in a unhealthy mental state. Yeah. Because because, I'm also spending time with you. I spend more time at work, you know, before COVID than I did at home. Um, And so I just want to make sure the people that I'm dealing with on a daily basis are sane and healthy and and capable of happiness. Um, That's one thing, you know, as I just putting, putting the vibe out there that this is who I am. I'm kind of a no BS type person and I'm going to tell you the truth and I'm going to tell you what you need and I'm going to make you look natural. So if you don't want to look natural, if you don't want to be told, you know, what you need, if you, if you're one of those people that's like, I need this and I don't want a doctor's opinion, don't come to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Yeah. I am not everyone's doctor, nor do I want to be everyone's doctor. Um, but I so love that. I think that's the, that's like the first, you know, wall mm-hmm. uh, to pass. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second thing too, is I'll just tell people, no, like I look at my patients as walking billboards for me. So if somebody comes in with massive lips and they want me to inject Botox into them, I will literally say, I'm going to wait till your lips dissolve or I'm going to dissolve your lips 
Yeah. And then we're going to do your Botox because you're going to go tell all your friends I'm your doctor and they're going to think I did that to you. Oh, interesting. So, so, so do you I find literally it- take my entire aesthetic and brand very, very seriously when it comes to my patients. So do you find yourself um, turning down a lot of patients because of that? I turn down some people and I definitely tell people on the first meeting that, you know, when I do this to you, you're going to feel so good. You're going to think more is going to make you feel even better. And I will be that soup Nazi and tell you no soup for you. Um, at a certain point. <laughs> That's amazing. No soup, no for, soup you. for you. Oh my no gosh. No soup for you. That is so funny. That made me laugh out loud. Um, that's really cool. You know, I, there's something to be said about that because as I was talking about, unfortunately there, you know, in any industry, there's always unscrupulous, you know, people that are about the money and about just like do whatever and, you know, get as much money out of the patient or make them, you know, think that they need all these things. And I love the fact that you have integrity when it comes to your business. And that's probably a huge part of the reason that you're successful is because of that. But I'll tell you too, Gretchen, like I have a business degree. You know what I mean? I know marketing, I know business and I, and I have no qualms about discussing the fact that I am a small business. You know, being a doctor is not about being, you know, not being working for free. It's not, you know, I employ 12 other women. I feel responsible for mentoring them and making sure they're fed and sheltered especially during this time that we've been shut down. So this is not to say, you know, it really is about an aesthetic and it really is about my brand. And I find that it's also a good business move to stick to that because then you attract normal people and you attract people that value what you value. So, you know, I do have a business conference every year where I do mentor other people in aesthetics or just other business people. And I bring people from outside of medicine to speak to us. And, you know, like we had Chris Jenner be our yeah. keynote last year yeah. um, at our conference. So, you know, I have no qualms about saying, you know, I sell things. But yeah. I also have no qualms about saying if you're selling things that help people feel good and are, you know, is good, then that's a blessing. Like, yeah. by all means, sell things that help other people. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, you you mentioned it just now, but you... you um, it, is it true that you have an all-female staff? And if so, why was that important to you? And if so, why am I not I mean, submitting I an application? That, I think that I just sort of attract that. I think I have, I do a lot of mentorship on my Instagram and people are, you know, reach out to me all the time and they're like, I want to work for you. Yeah. So we've definitely had, you know, male employees, but I just think that's sort of, you know, people who want to um, be in the environment that I set up tend yeah. to be women and I tend to mentor women a lot. Cool. I like that. Um, okay. So let's be honest. There's some women that completely overhaul themselves, right? And then they have yep. a child who literally cannot understand why their nose looks different from mommy's nose um, or, you know, something, some other feature looks off. So how can a mother who's considering having work done ensure she's not transferring her insecurities to her child? Is this one of those questions because you're planning planning to do this in the future? Like <laughs> you're looking for some advice? It's kind of like, like, oh, I have a friend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think like it's that that question has like a two-part answer. And, and I deal with that all the time is if the kid's young, you know, if they're under five, just say, you know, mommy got a boo-boo or whatever. Um, but if you have a 17-year-old, you know, you definitely want to kind of discuss what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, the answer hopefully isn't I'm doing this for somebody else. The answer should just be it's for myself and it's something that bothers me and I want to, you know, sort of take care of it. Um, but the other thing too, I always tell moms if they're feeling guilty or they're, I'm like, would you want your daughter to hold back from living their best life because of, you know, what they're afraid to tell their, their daughter or because they're afraid of what other people will think? And the answer is always no. Yeah. So you have to model the confidence and the behavior and the, you know, like I can't tell you, I've had so many women come in who are just super down, um, especially after having maybe like twins or like, you know, one baby or whatever it is. And your kids feed off of that. If you're yeah. confident and if you're holding yourself, so true. you know, with good posture, that translates into the whole family. That's so true. I mean, it's interesting you say that because I, I love I love your point of view on this because there is just so many people, um, you know, that are so quick to jump the gun and be like, oh my God, you're setting such a bad example for your daughter doing this, you know, saying that, you know, the way God made you isn't good enough, you know, all the things that you hear out there, yeah. right? And, yeah. and, and I think it's interesting to have this other's point of view because I do think that if the psychology, you know, the, the mental state behind someone's 
decision to make something is imperative, like you said, and you analyze that with your patients. But if someone's in in the correct mental state and they are doing it because they really just feel down on themselves, like for instance, for me, like after I had Skylar, my body definitely changed. Now I will say right at nine months, which was just this last month, um, I have finally seen my body starting to kind of go back to where it was before. But for those first nine months, I was really, really struggling. Like, who is this? Like, I would look in the mirror and be like, that is not me, you know? And there were so many times that I definitely thought about like, should I go get a tummy tuck? Should I do this? Should I do that? And I had a cesarean, so I have this ugly scar, like just all these things that I wasn't used to seeing on my body. And, um, you know, it affects me. And like, I didn't even want to be in a bikini and I, you know, I, and I wasn't feeling confident. And that's really hard when, when you're trying to exude confidence, especially for me around, you know, my daughter, uh, you know, another girl, I want Mm -hmm. her to see that I'm a confident woman and, you know, proud to be in my own skin or whatever. So I think that that's a really good other point of view of like, look, if you're, if you are healthy, uh, mentally going into this and you're choosing to make a decision because you want to feel better about yourself. And then you explain that to your daughter in the proper way. And you're not getting 92 surgeries. You're just taking care of a couple little things here and doing it hopefully more natural. Then I mm-hmm. think that that could, that could still come across as a good message, um, to, to your daughter or, you know, to Absolutely. someone around you, to your child. The other thing is, I think it shows your daughter that you're prioritizing yourself. And yeah. I think a lot of women, you know, won't even buy themselves a pretty dress because they're like, I shouldn't be spending money on myself. I should be spending it on my children, whether yeah. it's a tutor or their sports or clothes for them or whatever it is. And I don't think that's a good message. You're basically saying, um, don't prioritize mom. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a really good point. I mean, it's so true. I mean, you know, being a parent is all about sacrifice. And I know that we do that on the often, but I think, and, and that's probably always going to be at the forefront of most parents, you know, agenda, but I do think you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, they always say, you know, like on the airplane, put your mask on first before you, mm-hmm. you know, you put on the baby. Mm-hmm. And there's something to that. Like if you don't take care of yourself and you don't feel good about yourself, you're not going to have anything left over for the other people in your lives, or you're going to be, um, you know, angry or frustrated. And you know what I mean? You're going to take that out on totally. the people around you. So I think totally. there's something I always see like it that. that way. I love treating moms because I know I'm not just affecting that one person. I know yeah. I'm affecting the whole family. Yeah. So I'm going to be your next patient just so we know. <laughs> um, okay. So let me ask you this question. So I'm, I'm stealing all the questions, Slade. Do you want to ask a question? I'm afraid to ask this question. Why? Well, I don't even know how I feel about it. I'm not <laughs> I sure. Even, I don't we, even know if I know how to say this well, word. Well, because we, I know how to say the word. Oh. Farrah Abraham was one of your patients. Um, and did we see that she live streamed her labiaplasty? Yes, she did. Wow. Was that a pay-per-view thing? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, she didn't actually show the surgery. She was just awake and she was talking about, you know, what was happening. But um, she didn't I'm, actually show the surgery. But I, what I will tell you is after she posted that, we had... I think like over a hundred inquiries for labiaplasty of women just being like, this has bothered me my whole life. I I can't go to spa days with the girls. I can't wear Lululemons. I have to shop for bikinis all day because the fullness down there shows. Mm. Um, And so I always say, you know, I love reality TV stars because they will talk about stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas my celebrities don't even talk about the fact that they got Botox, right. you know, they're like, Oh, I, I drank water or like I went on a yes. yoga retreat, you know, like, or I did a cleanse. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so I think, I think, um, what she did and I, I think she's a brilliant woman and she's super smart, you know, however people feel about the persona she puts on TV, you know, everybody plays a character on TV. I want people to remember that, yeah. but she's actually a very smart woman. And I appreciate the fact that she raised awareness on this topic because a lot of people absolutely would not talk about it. And, um, you know, I don't judge, I don't judge my patients. I just look at them. I look at their mental state. I look at their anatomy and I see if they, you know, what they are requesting is safe and we'll give them good outcomes. And in her case, that was true. And she did a lot of good by talking about her story. Well, then maybe that's it. Maybe this is an opportunity to clear up some misconceptions that might've been out there. Cause I, I know there was a lot of backlash from it. Yeah. And I think the backlash happened because her daughter, Sophia commented on the video, mm-hmm. but it sounds like she didn't really show 
anything that was too risky. No, she didn't show anything. Nothing and that was Sophia too taboo. Was there. So Sophia wasn't there, but I guess she commented on the video or something, right? I don't know. Maybe you don't even. I don't that. even. I didn't even know that until you guys just said it. But um, you know, that just comes back to your question. Like, if you had something done like that, Gretchen, would you tell your, you know, tween, or would you say, "Mommy got a boo boo"? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just sort of like. Well, she might tell her. I think she would tell her. I think the controversy here becomes the fact that she showed her. And then not only did she show well, her. she didn't the, show her anything. Yeah, there that, was nothing to show. And that was the assumption that, that, that she had actually put the video out on social media and that she actually did show something. And I think the assumption was that because she, obviously she's in the porn industry. So people just assumed yeah. she streamed right. like the whole live thing. Right. Yeah. And maybe yeah, that, no, maybe that wasn't the case. Maybe that was a misconception that people had. Um, I'm so curious. Yeah. I'm not even sure I know what labiaplasty is. Can you explain it a little bit? So more? it's basically the lips on the inside mm-hmm. when they hang out very mm-hmm. far. And mm-hmm. I think there's so much misconception about this procedure. People do think that it's, you know, kind of like a porn star procedure. And I will tell you, I do two to four a week. Oh, wow. And it's on professional women who are fit, successful, smart and this is the one thing they can't talk to any of their friends about. Yeah. And they think they're the only ones that have this problem. Right. They feel insecure in intimate situations. They won't go to spa days with the girls, like I mentioned. Mm. It's sometimes painful to ride a bike. Yeah. Um, and so, or they'll be at the gym and it rubs and they have rashes. I mean, it can be, you know, mm. whether, and I'm, I don't judge either, whether they're doing it for purely aesthetic reasons or whether there actually is pain and a functional component mm. to the reason why they want the surgery. I will tell you, it is one of the highest satisfaction surgeries I do. Wow. I do it almost exclusively awake under local anesthesia Ow. Um, Ow. with no pain. Really? Nope. It's no on pain. YouTube. You can go watch it. I have three procedures. You can watch the whole thing straight through. And you, I asked the women, did you feel anything? And they said no. And throughout the surgery. So wait, what, do you, um, what do, and, but what, like actually what, so the inner lips are hanging down. Am I saying, I'm saying the wrong word. Yes. What's the, what's the word? Why does that happen? It's just genetic. That's the other thing too. I went on Violet Benson's podcast and mm-hmm. she was like, cause we're both of Middle Eastern descent and growing up, people told us like, if you're promiscuous, they'll get big, you know? And then Violet, she's so funny. She's like, I have friends that are so promiscuous and they have like the smallest little labia. And so it's really, um, it's genetic. It's hormonal. Sometimes women have, after they have hormonal changes after having babies, it'll grow. Sometimes with menopause, it'll grow. And so it really has nothing to do with promiscuity. Um, It's just sort of that those are the cards that you were dealt or that's how the hormone changes in your body affected that area. So I just wish you could see the look on Gretchen's face right now because (laughs) I handed her the computer and I typed in labiaplasty and hit hit images. But this is interesting because it helps me understand it a little bit better. This is really... She's taking a very close look at the different butterflies that (laughs) are basically available. So then like if you ha- after you have a baby, because see, I didn't have a vaginal ba- a vaginal birth. I had a C-section. It doesn't have to be vaginal. It's not from stretching. It's oh. from the hormonal changes. It's just <gasps> hormonal changes that make those inner lips actually grow. Right. Or some people are just born that way That's as well. That's so interesting. So do you actually cut the skin off? Yes, I cut the skin off and oh. reshape it. Um, and it's so funny. I was just giving a conference um, talk on it in Utah and two of the female physicians in the audience actually messaged me after my talk and they said, I want you to do my labiaplasty. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, so yep. you cut the skin off and then, so there's a bunch of stitches down there afterwards, right? Yeah. And they just dissolve on their own. So when you, the first time you go to the bathroom, does it hurt really bad? No, cause you put antibiotic ointment on. So it just sort of is a layer of protection. But I will say, Gretchen, this is total TMI for all your audience. You know, the first time you got waxed down there or like you shaved down there, uh-huh. how when you pee, it kind of is more of like a spray rather than, no, I totally rather don't than know. it going straight Wait, down. What? what? I don't anyway. know. Why does that happen? Wait, why does that happen? Lisa, because the hair Lisa. will sort of guide the pee down. Oh. So when you shave. Oh, so I don't think like I ever noticed that. That's like the one difference I always tell patients is when you, you're lacking all of that volume and that skin hanging down there, it will feel like the first time you go pee. Oh, that's really hilarious. Pee. That's, I don't think I ever noticed that because I've just shaved always like I, forever. So I don't even remember that. Thanks first for time sharing. Gretchen. No, so. but you know, it's funny because <laughs> the first time I went to try and wax, like you had to let it grow for yeah. like two weeks and like this whole weird thing. Yeah. And I went in to get it waxed 
And I literally was on the table and I literally was like so freaked out that I got up and ran out of the room <laughs> because I, this I is, this is my pain tolerance. I have zero. zero. Like, yeah. There's no pain legitimately tolerance. Well, that, zero. I mean, that really hurts. Yeah. I mean, thank God for, you know, technology and improvements in laser hair removal because it's so much less painful now. Wait, can you do and laser hair removal no down there? You can do it down there. Yes. Question. That's where people do it. That's where people do it. No, they do it. No, they do it under their arms and their light. Wait, you do it on Oh my gosh. No, that's where they do it. Wait a minute. Hold on. I have a serious question. Do they do it? They do it right on the lip? Yes. How do I know this and you don't know this? Come on. Wait a minute. How bad does that hurt? Does that hurt? For you? Well, it used to hurt a lot, but now the technology is so much better. Like I have like the literal best laser ever. Sheila, you don't understand. Gretchen can't even comb her hair without wincing. I mean, she has no pain tolerance. Oh. Is hilarious. I thought I was bad. No, no, no she's really bad. I didn't you realize know. you could laser right on the lip, but do you numb it first? Is that what you do? You actually, with my laser, you don't need to. Oh so our laser, instead of it being the snapping sensation, like all the other ones yeah. are, it's actually a rolling. Oh, It's like you, you roll the thing on there and it just feels like warm. How many times does it take for down there? Usually, I mean, we usually say six just to cover our butts, but usually by like the third one, you're like my 12 year old, I've done like her entire like arms and legs and everything. And she's like begging me for more. Oh, my so God. it literally awesome. does not hurt. Wow. Maybe I should try that thing. Cause that's a pain they asked after shave every day. Like, yeah, literally. You know what we're going to do? We're going to start marketing with doctor and we're going to call it the home of the pretty kitty. <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is so Wait, crazy. you are full of names. Oh, just don't even tell. He get, This is him all day, every day. <laughs> um, okay, so I have one other question. You you came to the U.S. at age seven, not knowing any English. Like, how in the world did yeah. that impact you when you first came here? You know, I just think, you know, I, I just think it was, you know, very challenging. And I just had one of my friends speak at our conference and he said, if I love you and if I really care about you, I'm going to wish for you to have challenges in your life. Cause I mm. think that's the times in our lives when we grow and just trying to, you know, especially like even during this time, trying to see what God is trying to teach us and seeing yeah. what the world and the universe is trying to tell us and finding those lessons is really important. So coming here on the back of a pickup truck, um, wow you know, uh, at the age of seven was very difficult. I mean, I was here, I arrived in the middle of the first grade, didn't speak English. I was super skinny. I had hair all over my body and like a mustache and (laughs) I just didn't have a lot of friends. Um, and I think that, you know, those challenges, I just sort of, I was focused, you know, kind of focused me on my schoolwork and I really wasn't part of that circus called, you know, tween and teenage life. I was just kind of watching from the nosebleed section. So, I, I don't know. I think, I think I did feel like a nerd. I did feel, um, I never felt insecure about my intelligence, but yeah. I felt insecure about like, do boys like that? You know, like, yeah. should I show how smart I am or should I not show how smart I am? Right. Um, so I definitely remember having those thoughts, but now, you know, having my own kids, like a 12 year old, 11 year old and an eight year old, I just tell them be a nerd for as long as you possibly can. <laughs> uh, because, <laughs> I'm serious because, you know, those are the things that matter right now and everything else will sort of uh, reveal itself. But for now, you just focus on your studies and getting to know yourself better um, before you sort of, you know, dive into this world of like boys and, you know, parties and craziness, um, which, you know, definitely will be a part of your college life when you are more mature and able to process I mean, it's actually, that's really sound advice for, um, (laughs) for other parents out there that don't want their kids like involved in the parties and like doing all that, be like, stay a nerd, just like (laughs) stay focused on schoolwork. It's okay. If you're not the most popular group, I mean, that's, that can save a parent a lot of headache. I feel like, like no, I mean, I look at the popular kids now, like as you know, I'm 40 now and I look at them and maybe they're just getting married or I just feel like they kind of peaked in high school yeah. and high school's not where you want to peak. Mm. You know, you kind of want to focus and know yourself better and read. And, um, I don't know. I think like almost self quarantine a little bit, yeah. <laughs> uh, have, have your one or two really close friends, but it's, it's not a time to be, 
I don't know, wild. Now let me guess, are, just, all those, are all those people now calling you now going, they hey, are, are so they, funny. are they, they're so like, hey, it. Sheila. Uh-huh, uh-huh, that's happened to me so many times. Like we were cool Facebook. back in high school, uh-huh. right? And I'm you're like, like no. Uh, no. No, you never even talked to me or looked my way. But now that I'm like a successful plastic surgeon, now you all of a sudden want to come in and get a favor done. I totally feel you on that. But I will tell you, like, that is a huge driving force, right? Um, Trying to prove people wrong and trying to show other people definitely um, gave me drive. I'm not going to lie. But I will tell you, as of like three or four years ago, I kind of just like let it all go. And I was like, you know what? I've proven everything I needed to prove. And this is who I am. And really just going back to my core values and admitting to myself, like, this is who I am, not doing it for anybody else anymore. I've sort of achieved what I said I was going to achieve. And now where do I go from here? Yeah. I love that. Well, you're very successful and it's, it's wonderful to see everything that you've done. The reason why I was so excited to speak to you guys is because I know how spiritual you guys are. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, is is this a big part of your practice? Well, let me ask you a question. Is that a big part of your practice? Well, I think, you know, I think having a really, like my kids, you know, go to Jewish school and I've always been like super spiritual, but I, I think it is, you know, whether you're spiritual or whether you're religious, I do think that having that strong faith and, um, I think it does ground you and I think it does keep you humble. And also ethically speaking, I think it keeps you honest. Yeah. You know, I have my own show coming out. It'll be out July. That's exciting. On a humongous network. Um, And going into it too, you know, I really, I have a lot to lose. I'm not going in. That is not my paycheck. If anything, if something bad happens from it, that is at the detriment of my paycheck. (laughs) So, but also I have this inner need to inspire the masses. And I feel like I love touching one patient's life at a time, but I don't know why I have this Thing in me that wants to share with the masses. Yeah. And so that's kind of where my driving force was. What was your driving force to even actually go on that show? So let me ask you a question about your show. Is it reality based? It's reality, but it's about the patients. It's kind of okay. like um, a makeover show, but the Got patients it. are very Midwest and you're going to cry in every episode. Okay. So is but, it spiritually but, based? But, is there spirituality in it? There is a lot of spirituality in it. I mean, it doesn't, we don't come out and like talk about, you yeah, know, God yeah. per se, but yeah. I mean, it is very, it will touch you in a spiritual way. Well, yeah. and, I, and I'm asking this question because we, you know, there is a, uh, an offshoot of not too taboo that we're actually preparing to launch ourselves that I'm just calling, mm-hmm. I'm just calling Sunday nights. And, and what that is about is that we've got so many people like yourself, successful individuals, individuals that have struggled with addiction or all, all these other issues. And really, They've fallen into the dark and the light of God has really brought them back. And we come across so many people like that, that we want to talk about it. We want to have a separate podcast that is about that spirituality and about people that are, are finding God and it's, it's helping to improve their lives, evolve them as individuals. And it runs the gamut. So many people. It's so helpful. So yeah, we're excited about that. Maybe we should have you back to talk. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my, my whole thing is like, do you guys go to church every week? Yes. We we, we, yeah, I, I go to temple like as often as I can. Just to, the only reason is a my rabbi is like ridiculous. Like he's like the most philosophical man I've ever met. But B, I, I find it's the only place I can shut off. Yeah, and I need it's like my meditation. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, um, I mean, to answer your question about the show, and I, the reason I asked you about it was yours reality based is. You know, sometimes with reality based, depending on, you know, what network you're with, what production company you're with, um, they can really take what is your reality and make it look totally different than, you know, what happened in that scene, you know? And, and so, and, and I will tell you when I was approached to do housewives, I was 30 years of age. I was very, very (laughs) naive. I was very green. I, you know, reality was still very new. Um, and I think at the time I really was just naive about that business and I really did get sucked in and, and they just were like, oh, you just get to go hang out with your girlfriends and go shopping and like drink champagne and it'll be fun. And like, I was so clueless that they were painting me to be like this gold digging, you know, like, like something, Mm -hmm. you know, this whole picture because, and I, looking back, I'm like, God, I was such an idiot, but I really, you know, I see, I just thought they were going to show my reality. And my reality was, Mm -hmm. I was, 
I, you know, at 26 years of age, I, I was a millionaire. I bought my own home. I took care of everything. And literally the show made it look like I was with Jeff just for money and he bought everything and he did everything. Like and he it was, was like, your sugar daddy. Yeah. And I was one of the most successful real estate um, agents in, in the country, in the world, actually, because I was in the top 7% for um, internationally for Cold War Banker. And I was doing really well. Mm-hmm. Like you, I was working 80 hours a week, no joke. Yep. And I worked my yep. ass off and I had created the life that I wanted for myself. Now, the show, that was not the narrative they wanted to tell. They wanted to tell a very different different side of me. So the answer to your question is when I first got involved in the show, at the time, sadly, my fiance had cancer and every single day mm-hmm. was about the cancer and the doctor's appointments and all the stuff. And so when I got approached, they, I went to him and he was like, you know what, this would be so fun, like something different. Like, I, you know, now I'll have an excuse to have to travel and my doctor has to let me go. Like, you know, it was kind of one mm-hmm. of those things where it was just like fly escape, by the seat right? of your pants and escape and like, let's just go have some fun with it. And Jeff Mm -hmm. also knew I wanted to be in the beauty and fashion industry, like design. I love design. Like that's Mm -hmm. how I actually met him was I sold him his house and then I I decorated and designed his whole house for him. And so Mm -hmm. he knew I loved that space. And so he's like, this is a great platform for you to be able to do that. So to answer, I'm giving you the very long answer, but to answer your question is I actually saw it as a business opportunity. And I went into the show with a very clear vision of the fact that I was going to use the show as a business opportunity. Now, that's I, so smart. And I did do that. I mean, I was one of the very first people, believe it or not, even before Bethany to like launch a brand on the show. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had a website way back in 2009, an e-commerce site. And everyone's like, what the hell are you doing? You know, and I had my makeup <laughs> line, my handbag, and it was very successful despite, you know, what many of the cast members, how they wanted to portray it or how the show wanted to portray mm-hmm. it. It was very successful for us. So, and I sold it. So like I did very well for myself, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I went into it with a very clear vision of wanting to create a business out of it. And then ultimately, like you're, like you're speaking of, I saw it as a wonderful way to connect with other women and empower them and let them know that like, look, you can, you don't have to spend a million dollars to look great. You can, you know, have, you know, you can go literally to Target and get like the cutest outfit and be standing next to somebody in her $3,000 Versace outfit and still look great. And that was who I was. And that's what I brought Mm -hmm. to the audience and to, you know, my fans. So to Gretchen's point, it is really important to kind of who you're partnered with, you know, as far Mm -hmm. as production and network and all Mm -hmm. that stuff, because they do have very different narratives. I mean, we've been asked to do a lot of podcasts. And we, right. we said no for a long time. And it was, you know, it's our stage 29 family who we were so excited to work with because of the authenticity of who they were as people, the doctors and Dr. Mm-hmm. Phil, and, you know, they're fact-based. And mm-hmm. so it is mm-hmm. really important to find that right group of people to help support you. And, and what your vision and is. And what your vision sure. is, especially when you're yeah. willing to give up your persona and who you are and jeopardize your business and all these things to go do a show. But yeah. again, in my, no, literally like this was my third pilot that yeah. we had not, you know, that we had like a sizzle reel that we had made. Yeah. And I was so like close to getting a reality show on a dip, on a similar network that you were on. And, um, yeah. you know, I was devastated when it fell through at the last minute, but this one was just so much like, it's kind of like the dating. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> I was so sad. Nobody wanted to marry yes. me. But when I finally met the right one, I was like, yay. yay. But <laughs> Thank isn't God that, the other ones didn't work out. I feel like we could talk for days now about the spirituality. I so know. We're gonna have well, to we're gonna, she's going to come back. You're going to come back. You're going to yeah. do our show. You can come back and talk about your new show. Yeah. I'm and excited awesome. about that. Yes. I'm sure that I we think, will be um, together. I can't announce it until they do. So when, yeah. when they do, trust me, I will. Congrats. That's so exciting right. for you. Well, yeah, thank, thank you, you, thank guys. you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. And, I, and I've my, my last pleasure. question for you is: there, there's a lot yeah. of social media handles here for you. <laughs> you know, people yeah. can find you at Dr. <laughs> Sheila Nazarian. They can find you at the Model Surgeon. They can find you at Spa Twenty Six Official. They can find you at the Skin Spot Beverly Hills. They can find you at Think Big it's on actually Instagram. The skin Spot. We actually took over somebody else's handle. Ha ha. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the reason why I had to separate it is I had my own friends, you know, following me. And before I used to kind of like put it all under Dr. Sheila Nazarian, they'd be like, I had to unfollow you because I was having breakfast and I was scrolling and I saw like live tummy talk happening. And so <laughs> I, re- <laughs> I realized I had to kind of separate things out for people to follow what they like to see. Yeah. But if you ju- if they just go to Dr. Sheila Nazarian and go to the link in the bio, they can see all of the different stuff. 
Oh, oh cool. That's perfect. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you again so much for coming on with us. We know that we'll be back together soon uh, talking much more because, you know, I have other questions. Awesome. We, we have to do a full male, <laughs> male surgery yeah. version. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much, Sheila. It was fun talking right, with guys, you today. All right, guys. Have a great one. Thanks. Thank you. Do the same. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Well, I think this was really a fun conversation with Dr. Nazarian. I learned a lot. I learned a lot. And you know what? what's really cool is that, um, you know, plastic surgery as a whole, it, it feels like it can be a very vain subject. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And what I loved about talking with her today is that we discussed the, the you know, the gamut of, is that a word, gamut? It is a word. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. I got a word right because normally I make up words in moments like that. She does make up a Gretchenism. <laughs> Um, you covered the gamut, but we did, we talked about everything from faith to family, to humility, to spirituality. I mean, there were so many topics that we talked about. Um, so I guess the question of the day is when you look at your life, what makes you feel beautiful? And do you actually take the time to recognize the beauty inside yourself? I mean, I think that's really important that we, we look at all those different categories and, and we examine that. So I want you guys to walk away and think about that this week. Gretchen. I just want you to know you are beautiful from the inside out. Oh, you're so sweet, honey. (laughs) Love you. Love our listeners. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to Not Too Taboo. Remember to like, download, and subscribe. And uh, we will be back in no time. We will talk to you guys soon. Hey, and we're back. (laughs) Uh, I bet you guys totally thought the show was over, but... Not, Not so, so fast. fast. So we've got a fun little surprise for you. And my lovely lady Gretchen Christine is going to tell you all about it. Okay, you guys. So we actually recorded this amazing episode with Dr. Sheila Nazarian a while back. But once we learned that her brand new Netflix series, Skin Decision, before and after would be premiering, we actually held the episode. So guess what? It's premiered last week. Woohoo! And what's so cool about that is that you can now binge watch this on Netflix today. And we want to know what you think. So yeah. be sure to reach out to us on social. I'm uh, at Slade Smiley official on Instagram. Okay. Everywhere else is just at Slade Smiley. And I'm just at Gretchen Rossi. So you guys, pull out your popcorn, turn on Netflix, watch Skin Decision before and after, and we want to hear your thoughts. And now the show's over. Is the show over yeah, for real much now? that was it. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, I'm glad the now. show's over. Yeah, okay. Bye, guys. See you soon. <laughs>